0: Hey, we're the Butcher Babies, and you're listening to Iron,
1: Iron City Rocks. Rocks. Yeah. Hello, this is Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
2: Hello, you crazy metalheads. This is King Diamond, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks with John. Hey, this is Wednesday, 13, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks.
3: Hello and welcome to episode 519 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host John coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal and blues talk on the net. Episode 519 we are very pleased to welcome back to the show Wednesday 13 talking about a string of dates he's doing in 2023 including a date here in Pittsburgh uh, celebrating the music of the Murder Dolls uh, the band that kind of put him on the map he and Joey Jorgensen of Slipknot fame uh, put out two great albums and some EPs uh, back in the early 2000s that really helped cement Wednesday's writing style and kind of validate it. So it was great to check, get a chance to check in with him, talk about the tour, get you ready for the Pittsburgh show. So we're going to talk to him in just a minute. And also joining us on the program, uh, Quinn Lucas of Pittsburgh's own Icarus Witch will be here to talk to us about new music from The Witch. So Without further ado, we're going to play you a little bit of uh, classic murder dolls to get you back in that final My pleasure to welcome Darren City Rocks on the line. We have Wednesday Thirteen. How are you doing, Wednesday?
2: I'm doing great.
3: Awesome it's it's great to get a chance to catch up to you. You're going to be rolling in on November 17 uh, to do uh, kind of a celebration of the Murder Dolls albums. You know, this is you know kind of an odd numbered year anniversary for this. Was this something that you had thoughts of doing prior to COVID and then got pushed back, or was it just kind of the it felt like the right time to do it.
2: Uh, it was basically the right time to do it. I mean, um, I didn't have any plans to do anything and uh, COVID came and everybody went off the road and, uh, and that's when uh, Joey Jordison passed away. And mm-hmm. and then the first tour I did out of, out of that and out of COVID was, uh, was a, was my 20 years of uh, tour where I was playing basically to celebrating 20 years of of my catalog starting with Murder Dolls and Mm -hmm. we had a Murder Dolls part of the set Uh, just contained a few songs and and after the shows and online everybody was like it was really great to hear those songs Uh, you know since Joey passed you should do a whole tour where you you know play those songs and that was pretty easy to do and the idea was there so I told my agent we booked the tour and uh, it's the only U S tour that, that we've done this year. So, uh, it's been, uh, and we're used to, you know, a lot of our fans are used to seeing us several times a year. So, um uh, I think the anticipation on this, is built up. We haven't been on tour since this time last year. And, uh, it's been, it's been great. It's been really cool to go back and revisit these songs and, uh, see this whole new generation of fans showing up at the shows.
3: Like the fans now have brought
2: their kids.
3: hmm yeah it's, it's it's kind of that fun anniversary when you get to these anniversary things you start to look out there and see people that may not have been alive when you put out some of these records and that's that's got to be fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was with, with obviously I think for a lot of people maybe your name became you know kind of garnered a lot more press obviously working with Joey. Um can can you kind of reflect on how the, the you know it, it really took your career in a different direction than maybe it would have been had you not, you know, crossed paths.
2: Oh, he gave me the, he gave me the opportunity of a lifetime. And I'll never forget, you know, the, the, the having that, that offer to do that. And I was, you know, full, you know, fully into my own band and we were just, you know, just recorded our fourth album. I had like an independent deal and, you know, and and I was being offered uh when I first got the, the offer, you know, I was I was working a, a, a day job in North Carolina. I my daughter was three years old at the time. I was married, uh, you know, and I was still doing my band, Frankenstein Drag Queens full full time. And uh when I got offered this from, from Joey, it wasn't even being the vocalist of the band, it was just being the bassist mm-hmm. of the band and and bringing some of my music in and i knew that the opportunity was there to to you know i could i could wait around and keep doing my own thing or i could take this chance it was like being on a game show or something I'm like oh yeah. you could take this or you can take and i was like i want to go for it i'm going to go for it
3: pat <laughs> you took door door 13 and, and, and the you rest know, is and, history
2: and then luckily i did because the bass player position opened you know and then it was like all right well now you're the vocalist and then it became all right well now we're going to use all these songs and 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 luckily i i did that because it 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 launched my career before that i was doing nothing you know so yeah uh and 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 joey opened up this door and and once i got in in to that door i refused to get out and i yeah. uh, just had a lot of things fall in, in in front of me and i was able to start a solo career and uh you know and we've just released our ninth our ninth wednesday 13 record there's two murder dolls there's you know so i've kept busy over these over these 21 years and uh you know it's 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 great to see a whole new generation of, of these younger kids showing up at the shows and and singing along and 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 enjoying it
3: yeah from a perspective of, of had they not taken your songs would uh-huh. you have considered do you think at the time just doing this as the basis because i imagine I, I don't even imagine i know this would be a hell of a lot more lucrative to have publishing on something like a murder dolls record versus performance royalties for being a bassist. was that a, a big big consideration
2: you know, it was like I mean it literally it was we want to use this song, this song, this song, this song, and be the bass player. So I already mm. knew right away I was you gonna were, have songwriting in it. But it really it really I didn't even know what publishing meant or any of that stuff then. Mm. I literally looked at my my day job and yeah. living in North Carolina as a fucking sit as a sentence. Like it was yeah. just, you know, it was I need to escape this and I'm going to get the opportunity. And it was almost like a prison break thing. All right, here you go. All right. Yeah. And I did. And, and luckily I did. Yeah.
3: Was it, was it difficult, you know, obviously you were, you know mentioned you had several albums under the belt with the Frankenstein drag queens. Was that difficult to kind of come to that, you know, to the guys in the band and say, you know, I've got this opportunity. I have to imagine that, nobody would look at it and say you, you'd been an idiot not to not to j- right. go for that brass ring but was that was that a hard conversation
2: not as hard as it probably could have been had mm-hmm. uh at that point in the band we had just like the our bass player was literally just learning the songs he was a new guy and mm-hmm. the drummer where was new everybody had was new in the fold so it wasn't like a full band sort of sort mm-hmm. of thing uh so it was easy to go hey i'm i'm gonna disband this and move on and and that's that's what i did because it was my band at that time and uh you know so it, it was it was it was easier than i guess it could have been i had it within this band that i started from scratch with dudes from school mm-hmm. you know yeah Um uh, but yeah it was uh but again I, I had that opportunity in front of me and i'm i'm, I'm so glad that that i took it because it could have it could have not succeeded
3: yeah yeah, and i think you know even beyond the murder dolls i think you know it gave you a voice you know i think it kind of ups your stock in the music industry you know when someone like joey takes a chance on you and you put these songs out and you know they get a following and the next thing you know we've got you know your you know the wednesday 13 catalog coming out of that um yeah you know it that's i think it helps validate you know you know, you look at like the guys that you know nikki six pulls into a band you know instant stock you know and credibility uh, yeah when, when somebody like that uh does that um when you go through these songs you know live is it um hard sometimes to to not kind of think back and and have a little bit of you know like sadness that you know obviously Joey's no longer with us that you guys didn't maybe do more records together um any kind of regrets in the murder dolls memories Uh, for you
2: no no real regrets i i mean i i mean i guess the biggest regret is this we didn't we didn't use our time as wisely as i think we we could Mm -hmm. have we were we let a, a lot of stuff stand in the way of us. A lot of people, you know, I've said in some other interviews that like, you know, and in, in our downtime, you know, with Murder Dolls, there were points where Joey and I weren't on the best of terms. and mm-hmm. But when we worked our stuff out, it always, we went right back to where we started off, mm-hmm. or left off, and it was just instant friends, and we just had a cool chemistry. And, um, you know, I just, I guess the regret is just not using all the time that, that we had. Sure, uh, but you know, I mean, like I said, he gave me, he gave me a like a, a, a you know this huge opportunity, and and uh, you know, I was I was able to, like you said, launch launch stuff off of it, start my Wednesday Thirteen career, and 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 uh, you know, and I think that's why he and I sometimes uh, we didn't get along in those down times because he saw me going out and doing this stuff and he liked the music so much. I think it was a, you know, he would tell me like, I, I really like this. So, you know, you could have saved that for murder dolls. You could have saved this. So it was just yeah. more like a, it wasn't that he was mad at me. I think he was just, he wanted it to be for, he wanted it to do that with me and he couldn't spread himself between Slipknot and doing both of those at the same time. It was just more of a, it was never
3: mad at me about it, you know? yeah and that, that's a really cool point you bring up because i mean I, i've often wondered what you you see a guy like there's you know, so many different artists, joe Bonamassa mass is just one that comes to mind where you know you're in black country communion you're a solo artist when you write how do you where do you put these buckets you know and, and i could see that causing animosity but it is still it's you know he's got a day job you know so yeah. to speak with slipknot obviously so you you've got a you know anybody realistic, but they, okay, you're gonna go out and you know do something in your right. downtime. So you you can't just save every good song you had for them. Uh, yeah, you know, the combination. Exactly. So that's that's a tough uh, rope to walk, um, I, I imagine. Um, yeah. As far as is these these shows is this um, exclusively Murder Dolls material? Uh, or you know from those those albums, or are you sprinkling in some of the other projects into this? No, side?
2: it's it's one hundred percent all Murder Dolls. I don't do any Wednesday Thirteen solo material whatsoever. It's hour forty minutes. You get uh, thirteen songs off the first album, and uh, I don't do, I've forgotten the math, but it's hour forty with me talking and everything, and I think mm-hmm. we cover all the bases and you get some good stories in between the songs and uh i'm having a blast i'm walking on stage smiling and walking off smiling even bigger and the audience is loving it there's you know, the kid, the fans from 20 years ago or brought their kids so mm-hmm. it's that's half and half audience and uh i don't know it's new energy there and it's fun yeah. to go back yeah. and revisit these songs
3: yeah I, I see in some of the sets at least i'm looking at you you're, you're sliding in white wedding obviously that you guys covered was there as a, as a big billy idol fan myself and so many songs that you could have gone there what what was the kind of the driver for that particular choice cuz i was always curious how bands arrive at a particular cover song
2: well the the real story behind white wedding where it came from is it pre it predates even my frankenstein drag queen song so basically when when i got the vocal job for murder dolls when joey decided he wanted me to be the vocalist and we started mm-hmm. using more of my songs um and we started using even with the merchandise we were using my logos and like that that, that mm-hmm. symbol the ladies room symbol with the horns was Frankenstein drag queens and we started using like you know because there was merchandise and and ideas that i had put out with that band that no one ever saw. Like I made like, you know, if I made a t-shirt, only 24 people got it. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm thinking with Murder Dolls, we're playing a festival and <laughs> we could get it to a million people on this tour, you know, for for a for a month long. So we started using all these all these different uh uh things that kind of went went over in, into uh into the Murder dolls uh stuff. So yeah it was just uh you know it was I forget where I'm going with this whole thing. Sorry. People come in on the bus. But uh, if you can correct me where I was going, I totally forgot where I was facing out. Oh, that's it. We were talking
3: about how you arrived at doing White Wedding.
2: Okay, yeah, okay. Sorry, sorry. So so either way, we were, uh, the album was being successful, and they were like, hey, we're going to put a special edition out. If you guys got any extra tracks, what do you do? You should do a cover song. And then I was like, hey, Back in 1995, my old band did a cover of White Wedding. I got a VHS video of us playing it yeah. live, and I showed Joey, and he was like, "That's fucking awesome. That's great. Let's do it." So we did that. We, uh, you know, I, I showed him the video, and he literally just kind of made his own version out of what he could decipher off that horrible VHS that I had. Mm-hmm. Because the version we had is is basically, you know, I get it's the structure of the of that whole song. He just he just produced it and, and added to it. And it was cause we were a punk rock band and, and Joey had this, you know, he had the, you know, the knowledge of doing what slipknot does. You know what I mean? Like right. in working with producers. So uh, he heard that idea and we recorded it. So to see that song do what it did over the, you know, at the beginning, like, you know, it did really well in the UK. We were on that top of the pop show. Uh, it charted in the top 40. You know it was a it was a big a big deal so uh it was just cool to see that that was an idea that I had had back in 1995 in my parents garage listening to the radio one night and white wedding came on and I was noodling yeah. around going that'd be a that'd be a cool cover
3: excellent
2: so it, so you know it took a long time 95
3: to 2003 for it to get well, it paid dividends and that that's I guess the important thing it's yeah. it's it's a cool Cool. So I think it's one of those, you know, Billy Idol's kind of one of those artists that everybody kind of loves. I've never heard a person say they didn't like Billy Idol. So you know, yeah, it's, it's a exactly. Great, exactly. Well, Wednesday, I want to thank you so much for your time again. You're gonna be coming to the craft house on the 17th here in Pittsburgh. Should be a packed house for you. And we'll look for uh um, if, if you guys started to work up material for the uh follow-up to Horrifier or
2: No, not yet. I mean, we we know that we we got to start doing our homework. So we're starting to put the ideas together, but we haven't actually sat down and did anything yet. We got to bring our, we all got to get our homework done and bring it to the table and collaborate. So, uh, But we will be doing that. I'm sure probably next summer. So there'll be a new record out probably early 2025 is kind of my guess.
3: Awesome. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you in here in just a little over a week. want to thank you so much for your time, man.
2: Yeah, and those tickets are, are are very limited left on that. So if you're you're waiting to get a day of, I would not do that because they will be gone.
3: Well, let's let's sell it out for you. All right, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so uh, much. I appreciate it. We'll see you on the seventeenth, man.
2: All right. Thank you. All right,
3: take care. Promo Bye- West North Shore and Yingling presents static X and Seven Dust. Special guests, dope, and lines of loyalty. February 19th at Stage A.E. Tickets are on sale now
1: at access.com or the Stage A.E. box office. For more information, visit stageae.com. Don't miss this special co-headline show
3: with Static X and Seven Dust. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore and Yingling. All a big thank you to Wednesday 13. Again, he will be here November 17th, Craft House Stage and Grill, celebrating the music of the Murder Dolls. Uh, if you don't live in Pittsburgh, if you go to his website, he's got dates kind of going across the northern half of the United States all the way until the end of the first week of December. So it's still a chance to get out here and see this music. and A lot of people love the Murder Dolls. Um, so it's a great chance to get out and celebrate that and, and kind of remember Joey uh, in that phenomenal period of both of their careers. let turn our attention now to Pittsburgh's own Icarus Witch, a band who have done now six prior albums. This is actually their seventh on Cleopatra Records. The album is entitled No Devil Lived On. We're going to be joined by Quinn Lucas to talk about the album, all the stuff that the band has going on, amazing artwork. The album is going to be available on vinyl, top quality metal. I think this, to me, might be their strongest release to date, which is a cool thing to say when it's their seventh album. So without further ado, some new Icarus Witch. Rocks, we have Quinn Lucas of Icarus Witch on the line. How you doing, Quinn? Uh, Hanging in here, man. How about yourself? Cannot complain. You guys have a brand new record out. Freshly minted No Devil Lived On. The follow-up to Goodbye Cruel World, which ironically um, seems so long ago, but feels like yesterday, I think, because so much happened in the world in that uh, kind of five-year hiatus. Can you talk a little bit? This album um a concept record can, can you talk a little bit about how this project developed because i don't think you casually enter into a concept record
4: no um whenever we started collecting uh, song ideas for this one um it we probably only got about maybe two songs into it before we uh, Jason and I quickly realized that, like, hey, um, you know, we always talked about doing concepts. Um, the world was literally in, you know, hell in a handbasket at sure. that time. So we were, um, you know, working remotely a lot of the time. And we said, well, what the hell? I mean, we have the... <laughs> We had all the time in the world on our hands yeah. at that point. And, um, you know, said, but why not kind of give it a shot? Because already musically, the songs were kind of tying together already, even in the early stages. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Jason had floated this idea past me. And I was like, OK, <laughs> uh, I'll take this trip with you. <laughs> you know, we can we can go down this road, you know. Yeah. Um, and whenever... Already collecting lyrical ideas for the songs, it it really just kind of fell together, Um, and you know the story outlines this journey of um, our main character through this kind of world in turmoil, you know, kind of this race just destroying the planet, and. Basically, how could we fool these beings into thinking there's somewhere else they can just go completely screw up and leave us all alone mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um and just kind of the outline this adventure, so to speak. And it it really did. It just kind of came together. And the more and more we worked on it, it's just uh, we we both got really excited about it. Um, you know, it's like that old adage, like, I thought we were just writing rock and roll songs. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. It, but,
4: it, uh, yeah, it quickly became
3: more than that, you know. Does having that sort of, I'm assuming you, you, you and correct me if I'm wrong, but, but collectively or individually, you, you roughed out the story. Um, Does having that Uh, kind of framework help you guys as far as, you know, you've got this sort of cinematic idea in your head, I assume. You know, you've got characters, you've got plots, you've got ebb and flow and story. Kind of help you creatively kind of know what you need to build to, to fit into the parts of the story? Or did that make it harder to then sort of have to write something that fit the story for you?
4: Um so we would rough out like kind of just a very very bare bones outline of the overall story so to speak. And my idea was I wanted it to basically play like an audio comic book mm-hmm. so to speak. So like um you know individual songs and the uh, you know the music and the lyrics would be like panels so to speak but you know, you're processing this information with your ears. Um, and that was probably the biggest kind of struggle struggle to wrap my head around as, you know, a songwriter was going like, Okay, how how the hell do you pull that off? Yeah. Um So through all of the, you know, riff ideas and musical ideas I would kind of go through and we would kind of match up if there was already an existing part or song idea, we would match that up with how the story, like you were saying, like the ebb and flow of it or a different Mm. act, so to speak. Um, And we would tie that in with the, the, one of the easiest ways that we found was uh, by like theming them like, okay, this, this musical idea needs to be kind of, a little more triumphant sounding or mm-hmm. you know definitely fast-paced to build uh, anticipation or something like that that way you could tie the emotional aspects of the lyrics to the emotional aspect of you know the sonics that were going mm-hmm. on behind it you know yeah um, and that's pretty much how we worked it out
3: so it's, it's very am I assuming this is pretty different than how you would normally approach putting a you know Thirteen, fourteen song collective album together as far as laying it out and sequencing and was, was this more enjoyable while you were going through it or, or are there times you look back and go okay i'm glad we did that but let's just go back and make an acdc record next time yes
1: yeah.
4: um it was it was a great experience to be honest because mm-hmm. uh, it was again something new and as an artist um you always want to push yourself to do something different. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, sometimes your own ego or your own fears kind of getting way, and, you know, just kind of inhibit that a little bit. Like they just, it, sometimes you won't let yourself do that. Mm-hmm. Um, where this, it let us throw out, you know, the rule book, like even our own rule book, you yeah. know, It's like oh, I would never do that on a regular witch album or, you know, it, mm-hmm. it there was, there was, there was no reason to not try, try things, um, which I think was freeing and really enjoyable for everybody.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it, it certainly comes across. I, I know when I listen to it, and, and I've listened to all of your material, you know, kind of in real time as you made it, I find this to be probably the most enjoyable listen of all of the catalog, just because it, it does take you on a bit of a journey, you know, and, and it's a very complete... Thank you. Um, you know you've got amazing artwork on the album you know i think about you know you listen to something like this and you're talking about towels i'm like somebody's got to be starting to to draw out a graphic novel you know kind of down that coheed and camera sort of rabbit hole um of this because you've got a cool story um to kind of go with it um when when you do these songs live and i know you guys have done a, a couple a handful of gigs in the pittsburgh area and, and i'm sure you've got more on the way do you do you have trouble then trying to pick out or even when you're picking singles to send out for promotion radio whatever trying to pick out part of the story that that doesn't lose the audience you know for those who really keen in on the the lyrics you know i think of a you know queensreich for example you know the song eyes of a stranger very good on its own because you didn't have to have any clue what the story was about to at least Dig the song. Does that make it a little bit of yeah. a challenge for you guys?
4: Um. Yeah. A lot of times. Just in general, I think, um, you know, picking what's what we're going to release first, mm-hmm. or you know, single-wise, um, it can be a challenge even without a concept mm-hmm. attached to it. But definitely, it was. We had to be a little more, you know, really picky with it. Yeah. Um, so again, I'm trying to understand. Okay, like what what songs stand on their own and can be digested without having the background of the concept attached to it? Yeah. Um. So like ten thousand light years, um, rise of the witches and shadow chaser became like kind of those songs. It's like okay, we'll release those. I think they'll, you know, they'll they'll. Stand on their own, but also people that will dig into it will find kind of their their key place in the story, yeah. if you will. But um, yeah, that's kind of like the thought process behind it. It's like, okay, which <laughs> which one of these are, are we gonna like just hand off to the world first?
3: You know? Yeah, that's that's tricky. And I, I I think I was lucky in that that you know I had the opportunity to listen to it as a complete piece first, you know, and, and that's to me always the best way to listen to to a release but i, I you know i'm always kind of skeptical what you know i remember when, when van halen put out their last proper studio album they kept putting out videos for songs i think they released like five songs before the album hit and i didn't want that i just leave it alone i'll listen to it when the whole thing gets here um but even more so yeah. with, with a record like yours because i think it's you know it certainly needs to be experience in the completeness. obviously you have to have singles I mean that's the way it goes to, to kind of lure people in but I think everyone's doing themselves a disservice if they're just jumping you know dropping the song in a playlist and and not taking the time to listen to the full song
1: um, yeah I,
4: I think, mean I would definitely agree um, I, I think back to the way that I enjoy you know, my favorite albums to listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes it feels really weird hearing those songs on the radio because it's not going to the next song. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, Oh God, no, no, this goes after that.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
4: um, But especially in, you know, like you said, a concept, like just being able to digest the thing as a whole um, and looking at, you know, looking at it as a, uh, an audio graphic novel, you know,
3: Yeah, you were you were saying that, and I was thinking of Heartbreaker without Living Loving mate. Every once in a while, you'll hear a radio station will do yeah. that, and it's like, it just leaves you hanging. Like, we're, or you know, We Are the Champions without We Will Rock You. It just that doesn't work. Yeah, um, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, uh, the Hate Shuffle for that very reason. Um, now, you guys, as <laughs> I mentioned, you've you've done a couple shows I know in Mount Pleasant. Um, what's the plan, kind of, for the band? I know, obviously you guys have day jobs and, and that makes this a little trickier to just pack up and head off to Europe for festival season. But, but what kind of live effort should we expect from the witch in 2024?
4: So, um, the band always usually does, uh, we call it show season. Mm-hmm. So it's usually revolves from usually, uh, beginning of April till mid November. So, uh, we're, pretty much uh we're done for the show season and in, unless there's some you know local opportunities possibly maybe doing some some one-offs with a couple bands but uh we will start back up in April um and then definitely hit the European festival circuit again this year um and so on and so forth but so we're going to spend the the winter i think the plan is to be able to execute the album front to back live in a you know concept kind of uh production so to speak you know just be able to present the full idea live rather than just you know sprinkling in a couple songs throughout the set here and there you know
3: yeah and that actually took it right into my next question was do do you present this in, you know, kind of pieces. I imagine there's going to be situations you have to, you know, for time purposes, yeah. etc. But, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things, you know, you know, I think back to the number of times I saw Queensryche and nothing tops seeing them do mind crime front to back. Um, so, yeah, it's fantastic. The, the purple vinyl, how cool was that to, to get put together? It's just a beautiful looking package. You you know, has got the amazing artwork and the, the vinyl looks so cool. How, how cool is that to get your own vinyl at this point?
4: It's, um, <laughs> to tell you the truth, man, like it's one of those feelings, it's almost like a little kid on Christmas, um, especially, you know, this day and age, just knowing that, you know, it puts a smile on my face knowing that you know vinyl has had that resurgence yeah and that it's a a special thing again and you know more and more people are discovering it and whenever you know you you uh open up a box and you see your your band and you're like oh man this is pretty cool and then you see how well how well it came out especially like the you know the purple marble and it just ties in all the artwork It's, it's it's a, a, an incredible feeling
3: yeah yeah c- coming from a guy i'm sure you've probably done a few band demos on tdk tapes so this is kind of a neat way to oh c- yeah <laughs> c- come come one extreme with the digital and then back uh back again so we'll be, be making the next album on eight track maybe but it's it's you know it is <laughs> yeah it, it does open up such a you know you guys have always done such a, an amazing job with the artwork on the product you know i look at you know just the the, the site the graphics i think you know with the right amount of production this would be an amazing you know like backdrop you know with some purple lights and it could be just a really awesome awesome show visually so i hope to uh hope we get you back in the pittsburgh area before too too long and you guys uh get here at least seems like once a year or so maybe twice a year uh, but we'll look forward to that in
4: yeah, uh, we usually yeah, we we uh, we try to play um, pittsburgh the Pittsburgh area as much as possible, but also uh, very strategic, you know, yeah, yeah, um, just because uh, this day and age it's it's definitely uh, more about you know making the 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 best out of the opportunities, yeah. Uh, than just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what works, <laughs> you know.
3: Yeah, yeah. For, from a strategy standpoint, does does that ever cross your mind? Like you look at, you know, and you're from this area, so you you know kind of the big three, four local bands that, that seem to play, you know, every time you turn around they're playing a show here, um, but never anywhere else. Do you guys look at that and think, you know, we, we don't necessarily want to be kind of labeled as a, pittsburgh band uh, more so than you know this national band who is here living here you know and i'm sure you guys love living here but you know i think you you know you kind of get what i mean that there are certain bands that they're kind of pigeonholed as very popular in the 412 but unheard of outside of that area
4: i think it's it's a tough one uh, i mean because i mean we we live, breathe, and you know, wear black and gold. Mm-hmm. You know, our our hearts beat Pittsburgh, um, and we're very proud uh, of of the area and of the the music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, especially historically, it's just been, you know, a a, a gem for mm-hmm. for music for such a long time. Uh, but same at the same token. I think bands do do themselves a disservice by either not branching out or not consistently branching out to um, other markets. Or just um, some bands just don't like to travel, Um, and I think they do themselves a disservice by uh, by doing that.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a very good. The way I've always
4: viewed it. Yeah, the way I've always viewed it is if you can. You know, reach a fan base no matter where it's at. uh, You owe it to not only the fans but yourself as an artist to to go present that material to those fans. Um, And there's nothing better than showing up to a town or a state or a Mm. country you've never been in before and looking out and seeing, you know, people singing along. It's it's it's, it's exhilarating. So you know, I think all bands should try to do it. You know.
3: Yeah. When you, when you look at it, I think, you know, kind of at a macro level, there are certain bands, and, and I don't need to name them necessarily, but very big here, you know. And then I look at bands that are from here, like, like Code Orange, for example, I think of the letter black, you guys, um, that, you know, draw quite well worldwide. But, you know, you show up here and you're against one of those certain bands, you know, they're going to get a huge crowd here. But, you know drive beyond about cleveland and, and you know no one shows up because no one knows who they are um so i, I think it's a, it's interesting to look at how bands kind of lay that out and and have a bit of a strategy so it's just, it's cool you know i think the kind yeah, of music you guys just yeah the music you make probably transcends well with the outreach you know i i look at this and like you mentioned festival season stuff this kind of stuff is um Fits right in line with that that sort of market. So, awesome. and I
4: think that um, you know, the other thing that helps that now uh, is the U.S. is starting to adopt that kind of European metal festival kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes makes perfect sense for uh, promoters and bands to be able to present. A, a, a really big two- or three-day festival where, you know, fans can see ten of their favorite bands at once mm-hmm. um, rather than waiting for, like, uh, okay, they're going to be here in April, then they'll be here in May, then they'll be, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and it, it really gives a chance for bands to not only be presented in front of, like, an entire genre fan base, but it also gives bands uh, more of an opportunity to link tours yeah. and show run together based around those festivals. Um, yeah. And it's as a band, it's a really, really good way to kind of plan out your your tours yeah. and your, your show season, so to speak.
3: Is getting booked in, into some of those things in, in Europe easier for you guys than in the U.S. just because of the business side of it?
4: Uh, yes, yeah, I mean, I would, I would say for, for us, we've been lucky because we've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Um, you know, whether, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. No. Um, but, you know, I look back and, you know, I think about the, the history of the band and Jason and I first played our, we played our first festival in Germany in 2006 or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is crazy to think about now uh, because, again, it feels kind of like yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but I think it's... I think the festival circuit in the U.S. is still, like, growing and budding. Um, so, it, it seems like every year there are more and more popping up. Um, and... I think that, as of right now, I think that it's going to continue to grow, um, because there's some really, really cool festivals happening mm-hmm. in the U.S. now. I mean, everywhere from, you know, Massachusetts to California, uh, it's they're they're really they're. Really starting to become popular with fans in the U.S. too, because I think it took a while for that to kind of catch on.
3: Yeah, yeah, you know. Always envious when you see these kind of you know, Hellfest and and any of these things in the Download Festival and things like that in the in the UK, and then you come here and the only thing we really had was you know the kind of traveling, somewhat corporate mayhem festival Ozfest, but still very you know very tightly controlled by kind of major concert promoter um, so it doesn't leave you a lot of room for for you know that kind of next tier you know without the financial backing that's that you need to get into some of those things um, so it's cool to see some of these smaller ones obviously Prague power USA is a, a great example uh, you know something that's been around for a little while but it would be great to see these kind of crop up in other cities. I think
4: yeah there's um, yeah there's what's what's really cool is you start to see these you know I I don't want to say DIY because they're not at all they're Mm -hmm. very professional productions and festivals um, but they're just becoming a more um, frequent thing and what's cool about it is yeah there'll be some you know some sort of corporate sponsorship and and whatnot or, you know, but a lot of, a lot of them will be sponsored by, you know, whatever local businesses and yeah. record shops and stuff like that. So it really ties in that kind of, okay, this is, this is a, uh, a, a festival put on by fans and, you know, just, uh, people that love music right. in general. And there's something that translates very, very, uh, um, you know, just as soon as you get there you're like, Oh yes, this is this is what it's about. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, rather than, you know having a, a gigantic energy drink corporation throwing a music fest that they yeah. have no idea what's going on, you know. Yeah. Yeah,
3: certainly. Well Quinn, I wanna thank you so much and congratulate you on no double live on. Um, I wish you guys much success in the touring year and we hope to see you if not in Mount Pleasant somewhere in the Pittsburgh area in 2024 we'll keep the audience up to date as you guys lay that out but I appreciate your time so much man thank you
4: hey thank you thank you man it's uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you man Iron Maiden return the future past tour 2024 PPG Paints Arena Friday November 8th 2024 songs from their latest chart-topping album, Senjutsu, and the classic, Somewhere in Time. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com.
3: Don't miss the thrilling spectacle of Iron Maiden, live. All right, that about wraps up this episode of Iron City Rocks. Thank you to Quinn Lucas of Icarus, which that new album is available now. We will have links on our site for that. You want to check that album out. Maybe get yourself the vinyl copy and some amazing, amazing merch available from those guys. They've been a great supporter of Iron City Rock, so the least we can do is return the favor uh, for all the great music they've made throughout the years. And also a reminder, November 17th, Wednesday 13th, Craft House Stage and Grill, celebrating the music of Murder Dolls, his band with Joey Jergensen. Um ought to be an amazing night of music so I want to thank you for taking the time to listen you can visit us ironcityrocks.com we are on all the social medias as Iron City ironcityrocks going to be doing some t- ticket giveaways here over the next couple of weeks to get everybody in the holiday mood so be sure to check that out obviously we're starting to see concerts for the summer of 2024 already so it was amazing to see you know Creed Iron Maiden um If you stop there, it's going to be a hell of a year. So awesome. So if you want to keep abreast of all that, check out ironcityrocks.com. Follow us on all the social medias. You can drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know what you like about the program, bands you'd like to see us focus on. Love to hear from you. So until next time, thank you for taking the time. (laughs)